All right. If you've got a Bible nearby, let's go to 1 Samuel 16 for a few minutes. And I say a few minutes, uh, that's my goal, at least. Um, the, this being a holiday weekend, you know, I was like, I don't know how many people we're going to have. People may be traveling, different things. LSU is playing today. That tends to, like, wreck everything, you know, and maybe in good ways, maybe not. Um, and so I was like, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going through the life of David. Uh, and there's this one part of David's life that I couldn't really figure out how to, how to work in because it's, it, it's like this theme that runs throughout his entire life. And the plan for the sermon series through David is to go kind of pretty chronologically. And so I was just kind of praying and I was like, maybe just, maybe Labor Day weekend, maybe that's Sunday because we got community groups signed up. So we got all this stuff going on. Maybe just change it up a little bit today. And so uh, today will be different in terms of structure. We're going to do a lot more music on the back end because I want to look this morning at the role that music played in David's life. Um, As we go through the narrative, you're going to hear a lot about him being a shepherd, him being a warrior, him being the king, um, about him making some really great choices and some really, really terrible choices. Uh, But one of the things that's just running in the background through all of that is music and we see music and singing like in every culture of the world and and that tells us something about uh like that being a part of the common grace that god shares with us Uh, i came across something very interesting uh was reading a lot about how music and songs are found you know everywhere it's not it's not just like a human thing obviously like birds will sing, right? They have their, their melodies. There are different animals that have uh, melodic like noises that they make. Uh, we used to tease Brady a lot uh, when Brady was, would play certain things on the guitar, like it sounded like whale, whale songs, you know? We're like, you put some like whale stuff in there, some, you know, that kind of stuff. There's just music everywhere. There's even, uh, they have like, found like, like musical notes uh, in the exploration of outer space in different places, and uh, you might be, you may have seen Louis Giglio did a video several years ago called "Indescribable," and he goes through a lot of that stuff. And so, it's not. It, this is something that is everywhere around us. And um, I came across a very interesting take on music. I don't know if this is theologically sound, so just. We preface that, which will probably make all of you be like, oh, great, thanks. Uh, thanks for bringing us something that's questionable. Um, in Zephaniah three seventeen, a lot of people, this is like in their list of favorite verses. The, it says, the Lord God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And that verse has led some to believe that music was not a part of the created order, that music is a part of God's own being in and of himself. So he, cre- he created lights, he created uh, the earth, he created the animals, he created man. But saying that in there somewhere, music wasn't in the mix. Music is a part of who God is. That's why when he describes himself in his his pleasure with his children and him like singing over them, that that is not a created thing. It's a part of who he is inherently. 
And I thought that was such an interesting concept to think about. Like, what if, what if the reason why music exists everywhere is it's, be, it's a part of God speaking something into creation? It's, it's a part of his own DNA, his own personality, his own like, input into everything that was created. That's just a natural part of it. Um, our brains were created to engage uniquely with music and with singing. Um, like neuroscientists will talk about like there are parts of your brain that will, that will light up so to speak, uh, when music is played, that other things can't quite get to it. They'll use it in uh, different forms of therapy. We'll use music because there's something special about it. Um, the people of God have always been musical. Here's a couple of things. Uh, in Genesis 4, we see like kind of the generations going out from Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, all that stuff. And, and there's, uh, I guess, one point where some of the descendants are kind of... Uh, like assigned, so to speak, to different like functions of the world. And uh, Genesis 4.21 said uh, his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the, the lyre and pipe. Pipe is like a flute kind of thing. So even like in Genesis 4, we're already seeing like music becoming a part of things. Exodus 15, we see the, the very first song. Uh, Revelation 15, the last song, all throughout it. Um, People of God, they sang in the best of times, like when they brought the ark in, when the temple was dedicated, uh, all the Passover celebrations, the, the, the Maundy Thursday, Jesus with his 12, they sang together. Uh, we see songs being a part of the worst moments as well. Um, we know that Jesus probably sang from the cross as he sang songs of lament. Um, we know that even down to the idolatry at the foot of Mount Sinai with the tw- Ten Commandments, that whole thing, they were singing and rejoicing. It was just aimed in the wrong direction. Uh, 150 psalms, almost all of them were considered songs, psalm, song. Um, and there's 35 other songs. Um, Paul tells us in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 that music is how we instruct. It's a part of our spiritual formation. It's how we communicate to each other and to God and reminding each other of what is true and what's real. And so... Um, Already today, you've come in, and whatever was going on before, when you come into a room and the music starts to play and people start to sing about, uh, like in the battle belonging to the Lord, that's a David and Goliath thing, um, exalting God for who he is and what he's done and who he has come for. Music has already reordered some things for us today. Um, You might not feel like a completely different person, but you have to work really hard for the music when people, God's people are together for the music to not affect you because he's built us with this part of us on purpose. Um, so what does this have to do with David? All right, look at 1 Samuel 16. Saul had a, had a harmful spirit. Um, God was bringing, uh, was bringing a harmful spirit to Saul, which is, sounds strange and probably deserves its own sermon, but you're not going to get it because we're focused, focused on David. Um, and there are different, different opinions on what that, what that means. A lot of people think that that means that the conviction of his failure to uh, steward his kingship and to honor the Lord, that the conviction and brokenness over his disobedience and the fact that God had removed the kingship from him was just, it was just too much for him. And so uh, in verse 16 of 1 Samuel 16, 
Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who's skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. Okay, so already they knew when music is played, it is soothing somehow. Like something different happens. And so Saul's servants were like, why don't we get a really skilled musician to come in and play? Because that has a way of of settling you. And so the impact of music was already very clear. Verse 18, one of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. This is the description of David. He's skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Okay, if someone has to describe you, that's a pretty great description. And so they're like, hey, this, this guy is like the Lord is with him. It shows up in his leadership. It shows up in, in battle. It shows up in the way that he, even, even the way he plays the musical instrument that he's good at. Like you can just tell that, that the Lord is with this guy. Let's go get him. And then skip down to verse 23. Whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. So in the very earliest of days, this, that little passage is sandwiched in between David being anointed as the king and him killing Goliath. So right there in the very first bits that we see with David, we're learning about his character because when he's chosen, Samuel and God were talking and Samuel said, don't look at what man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And we begin to see the heart of David emerge. They can tell. Uh, it even shows up in like, the way he plays the musical instrument. Like that's, that's impressive. you know. And then the faith that it takes for him to go out and take on Saul, and I mean uh, Goliath, and to win that battle. And so we're seeing these things emerge, and music is a part of it. And if you were to trace your way through David's life, you would essentially have to, to combine different parts of Scripture. You would have to combine what we see in First and Second Samuel and also uh, work your way through the Psalms because as David's life was unfolding, he's writing poetry and writing songs and making these melodies as a, just a normal part of his life. Um, 73 of those psalms were written by David. So there's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. 73 of them were definitely written by David, maybe, maybe even more. And when we stop and we think about, here's, here's this kid, basically, 15, 16 years old, has all this faith. Faith to shepherd his flock, faith to uh, go after anything that is a threat to, a threat to his flock unafraid to go up to the king and say, I'll go fight the giant. A man after God's own heart is how God describes him. And here he is starting to write these things down, writing these poems, writing these melodies to the Lord. And those became like this treasury that we have. And because of what we here at Living Hope believe, that the, the Spirit of God empowered the writers of Scripture, that 
that as Samuel was writing his writing, Samuel was writing and God was writing through him both at the same time, that all the biblical writers, it was them and it was the Holy Spirit. It means that these Psalms that we have were both David's words and God's words at the same time. And so the Psalms, this collection of God's own poetry, his own songs, connected to human experience, it changes things whenever these words are sung, whenever these words are spoken to us, because they are God's very words being spoken over us, worked into human experience. And those things have, a, have an impact. The, when the words of God are spoken over us, whether it's reading of Scripture or worked into songs, they have an impact that is much like a child being consoled by their parents. Let me read Zephaniah 3.17 again, and I want you to listen to it through the lens of a parent to their child. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. What does that communicate to us? What, does the, what do all these things convey? The first, look at the first part. The Lord your God is in your midst. The, the presence of a parent makes a huge difference with a child. Sometimes they just want to know that you're in the room with them. Sometimes they can be bugging out, and then you just step in, and they kind of like calm down because their fears go away because like mom is there, dad is there. There's authority there. There's protection there. There's that presence the Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. When a parent steps into the room of an upset child, the authority shifts for the child. When the child is afraid, the authority is in their fear. When the parent steps in, the authority shifts from fear to dad, from fear to mom. In Zephaniah 3, God's saying, I, I'm in your midst. Your fear can shift from your circumstances or your worst-case scenarios or whatever it might be. It can shift to me because I'm in your midst. I'm the, I'm the mighty one who will save. And it says he will rejoice over you with gladness. Think about the parent thrilled to be able to step in and, and erase the fear from your child. You're, you're working so hard to help them like calm down and to take a deep breath. And to realize everything is going to be fine. It brings you such joy to watch their fear subside and for them to just rest. That that is God's heart for us. That's where that comes from for parents. He will quiet you by his love. That's the parent, like pull, you pull the child in close, you, you rub their back, you pat on them a little bit. You, you talk to them in that soothing voice. That just has a way of like making everything better. It may take a little while, but it gets there. You quiet them with your love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Now, I don't know if any of you parents do that. I don't know if you just burst into song over your kids. But, but isn't there a part of you, though, that does? You think about in those, that, especially like the, that newborn, like the day of kind of thing these moms and these dads that hold their child for the first time and they can't help but like sing. 
You ever catch a parent singing to their kid and they don't realize that someone's listening and they get embarrassed? It's like, why would you be? Don't do that. Like, sing to your child. That's, that's that joy that is like, it just can't stay contained. And it is those songs and those actions and, and that, that presence that God is communicating to us in different ways. And this guy, David, is such a significant way that those things have become real to us because he has taken time to write down the Psalms. The Psalms allow us to do like two, well, they allow us to do a lot of things, but there's two Bible words that show up a lot. One is exalt. And one is exult. E-X-A-L-T, E-X-U-L-T. Um, here's the best example I could find um, in, in like two verses. It's in Luke chapter 1. Mary, the mother of Jesus, after she finds out that she's going to get to be the mom of the Messiah, she says this in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She's magnifying the Lord and she's rejoicing in the Lord. That's exaltation and exaltation. Exalt is to magnify, is to, to lift him above everything else. That the Psalms give us like language for that. The Psalms make these comparisons, uh, these analogies where David's like trying to figure out like how do I put into words, how do I express to the Lord um, just how much, how much, how amazing he is, how powerful he is. He is how what I just saw him do, I've got to tell people about it. And so he begins to write these things down. And these very personal psalms were treasured and then became a part of what was the like the worship of the people of God and been kept and the rabbis got a hold of them and they bundled them together. And that became this is the songs of the people of God. It all starts with our friend David. That Mary was exalting God. David, through the Psalms, exalts him, like lifts him above everything else. And then she exalts in him. To exalt is to find great joy in something. So she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's exaltation. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's exaltation. It's finding this incredible joy. That's, that's the, the parent holding their newborn child. Just, who's, they're just glowing, and they, just, they can't help but sing. Like the music of God works its way into those moments. It works its way into all of the things that life brings. And so when you, when you start to look through the Psalms, you're like, man, some, some of these uh, are really sad. And some of these are incredibly happy. Some of these seem very angry. And then some of these seem very grateful. And if you were to break them into categories, we see Psalms of lament, and you are bringing these troubling situations to the Lord, uh, like a third of the Psalms are, are things that the writers had gone through. They're like, this is too much to bear. I, I have to sing this to the Lord. That our, it reminds us that our singing is not always celebratory. Sometimes it's, I don't, there's a song in here that has to get out, but I don't, I don't even know what the words need to be necessarily. But that in our sadness, we can sing. We see Psalms of praise and thanksgiving, we see psalms that celebrate the law of God, which might seem really strange, but, but that's a part of this realization of like, oh, God has led us. Um, psalms about wisdom and confidence and prophecies that are to come. We see, we see these different kinds of psalms, and what that tells us is what, whatever you are bringing to the table, 
there are words and there are melodies that can express to the Lord the things that are going on inside of you. That's why there are times when you go to gather with the people of God and you're just like right in sync with what's happening. There are times when you walk in and you're like, I don't don't really feel like singing today. I don't really want to put up with this today. But everybody else seems into it, so I'll stand. Or they said to stand, so I'll stand because I like rules, you know, whatever. And as the truth of God, as the words of God are sung and articulated, we're reminded that he is the mighty one in our midst, ready to save, ready to quiet us with his love. And that has a, a way of ministering to us. That the music of God is a way that we minister to him, like we serve him, we communicate to him, we bless him. We also minister to one another, we serve one another, we bless one another. It's a gift that God has given us in his word through the songs that he has written here. David, this the youngest in his family, the shepherd kid from Bethlehem, God gave him some of the most important expressions of faith and hope and love that anyone has ever written down or put to melody. And God has seen to it that we would have them so that they could be used for comfort. David shows us that on your best day and on your worst day, there is a song. There is an honest song, but there is a song. That there are praise, praise, there are prayers that you can pray. They're honest prayers, but there's always a prayer. He's constantly reminding us that the Lord is in our midst. And when we forget that, people of God come together and begin to sing. In times of, of excitement or in times of sadness, we remember songs and melodies. We don't really remember quotes. We don't remember algebra. We don't remember a lot. But there are times when whatever it is you're going through, there is a song that God will attach to those moments. And so, David has given us a gift in writing down his experiences and writing down his songs and his poems and his thoughts and his emotions probably had no intention that all these years later we would be sitting around reading them and be like, whoa, David. Can't believe you said that to God. Or, I'm so thankful you said that to God. And as we study his life, we need to know that songwriting and prayer and worship to the Lord was always running in the background of his mind there's this chart that I have that, that connects what, what psalm, like it goes, it goes through all 150 psalms and the context that they think they're written in. And so you can look and be like, well, what's going on in David's life when he wrote this one or this one or this one or this one? And it's amazing how, like to tie those things together. And so Saul brought something to the table, right? He was in a bad way. And he knew, like, I need someone skilled 
I need someone that is like from the Lord to come and play music that I could be consoled by that. We all bring things to the table this morning, and so what we're going to do is we're going to give a little more time to the music of God and also to the words of God written through David. Um, and so we're just going to spend the rest of the time this morning singing and also like, like interacting with the psalms that he wrote. And so, as I said earlier, this is a little bit different. So if you're here for the first time, come back next week. We'll do something more normal. Um, but if you are one of those people that's like, man, I wish we sang a little bit more, then today's your day. Uh, so let me tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Um, in just a minute, Chris Cole is going to come. We're going to do some uh, responsive readings, some like liturgy from the Psalms that David has written. And if you don't know what a responsive reading is, it's where Chris will read some things. He'll read a line, and then everyone will re- read the next line together. And it'll kind of go back and forth. And it might, there's a lot. It might be here a while. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and some of you maybe come from a background without feeling familiar, and some of you won't. Some of you will love it, and some of you are like, I didn't like that. But think of it this way. As, we're, as we are responding and we're interacting with the Psalms in this very simple way, like it'll be on the screen, like what's in bold is what you will say, and what's not in bold will be what Chris says. You'll, we'll catch on. Um, we are hearing and we are speaking the very words of God over one another. We are speaking these ancient words translated into English, but these ancient thoughts, these prayers, these songs of worship, things that back then they probably would have sung, but we don't have those melodies, and so we're just going to speak them. But to think of it as God reminding us that he is in our midst, that the mighty one who's here to save is with us, that he is quieting us with his love through those words, through that presence, that he is rejoicing over us with loud singing, that heaven is singing with us. And so as those words are spoken, that we are able to like exalt and exult in him. And so perhaps that just being just a blessing to have those words spoken over us. So Chris is going to lead us through the responsive reading, and then we're going to sing a little bit. And then we'll sit you down, and then Meg is going to come and just read more psalms over us. Those won't be responsive. Those are just like receive it kind of thing. And then we'll sing some more, just interacting with the truth and looking at how God has given us a gift of know the words of God and the truth of God this morning. And so um, it's an opportunity to exalt and exalt. So I'm going to ask the band to come and ask Chris to come back up. And um, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to hand it over to him. And that's what we'll do the rest of the time. Lord God, I thank you so much for um, for David the shepherd and for David the warrior and for David the king and for David the musician. I'm thankful, God, that you saw it fit to speak through him in his writing and that you saw fit to make sure that his psalms and all the other ones were kept in a collection that would then become the, the hymnal of the very earliest followers of you and would be treasured 
by your people all the way to this day. And, and so would you help us to treasure it as well? That in the responsive reading and in the singing and in just having this, the words of God spoken over us, that we would receive the goodness that you have for us. That we would join the song of heaven and uh, the song of creation. As we hear psalms about your majesty and power, songs about your faithfulness and goodness. Would you speak through your words this morning to us? And may we be uh, unashamed and may there be no shyness to us when it comes to us singing and giving that back to you this morning.